0: Thanks, Simon. I'm excited to be here with you guys this morning. I'm going to try something new. I'm going to try standing instead of sitting. I got my kicks on this morning, so i am get more comfortable. Um, I have some exciting things to share with you this morning, things that God has been working on my heart for, and I feel like if you're going to preach something, it should be something you're learning yourself. So we're going to learn all of us together. Is that cool with you guys? Awesome. Before we do that, I would like to pray and invite God to be in this space, in these words, and with our hearts this morning. So, Father, would you, would you give us each a spirit of humility? Uh, would we be moldable clay? Would we be vessels that could be filled with your love, your encouragement, uh, your compassion, God? This morning, we would hear with open hearts, God, that we would have hands and feet ready to move. Um, and we would be encouraged as a body together to do what your word says, Father, let this be your message, and anything that I say that is um, not of you would be erased, would not come out. God, would you give me wisdom and discernment um, as I speak your word with truth and power and grace, God. All these things in your name, amen. 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 All right, so we're going to read through a text you probably have heard before. In some context or another, John 15. It's the only uh, verse that's going to be up on the board, or the whatever this is called john 15 we're going to read verses 7 through 13 together if you abide in me and my word abides in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples as the father has loved me so i have loved you abide in my love I think we're in a season right now of incredible growth. I'm speaking into what I believe God is going to do in our own church family, but also in our in our families, uh, in our communities, in our state, and in our world. I am believing that he is going to start bringing up and raising up new leaders. In fact, I'm so encouraged, church family, that we have new leaders who are ready and willing and hungry to grow. So I hope that this is an encouraging um, a message this morning as we work through what it looks like to love each other and to build friendships. This last year has been difficult, has it not? It has been a year of, there's been a lot of pain. There's been a lot of fear, but there's been a lot of pain. And what I've noticed in my own life is there's been some friendships that have fallen away. Uh, there have been some disintegration, of marriages. There's been destruction in the words we've spoken and we've read online and we've we've thought uh, in our own hearts as well as heard from other people. It's been a hard last year. We've had homes that are fractured, relationships that are shattered and trust that is broken. We have a unique opportunity right now, family, t- to rebuild and to rebuild on the foundation and the hope of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. What that looks like to build deep, strong friendships. This is my commandment, that you would love one another. If I've said anything so far and it's resonated with you, maybe there's been a friendship in your life this last year that has been fractured or hurt in some way. Would you raise your hand? Hand And I'm wondering, if I can say it gently, if any of those relationships have been in the church. I'm wondering what it looks like to love one another as God loves us. It says in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrates his own love for us in this. He defines his love while we were still sinners, while we were still a mess, while we were still drunk in our pride, riddled with shame, messy as could be. He chose us, laying down his own life, knowing we could never repay it, we could never earn it, and he gave us the ultimate gift with the sacrifice of the cross. So like any aspiring or, I don't know, like I, anyone who knows what to do when they don't know what to do, I googled the term like versus love. I googled like versus love, and I didn't find a definition I truly could like fully stand behind, so I kind of made my own up. You can, <laughs> you can take this if you want it, but I kind of uh, defined like as a feeling or a preference. You, you don't tolerate what you don't like, am I right? You just, you don't tolerate it. I don't like cooked spinach. I will not eat that stuff. I will not touch that stuff. I won't tolerate it. But if my five-year-old cooks me cooked spinach, I will eat it. <laughs> Why would I do that? Because love chooses. It says, I see your faults, and I choose you anyways. I see your flaws, and I choose you anyways. It's a choice. I'm not blind to what's happening, maybe. I tell you, tell you a funny, uh, not a funny story, but to be fully honest, I love my husband. Sometimes I don't like him. We each have faults and flaws that are just, honestly, preferences and things that, the the other person doesn't really like i told you the last time i i spoke about the floppy socks and simon was like what's floppy socks it's just the way we fold we fold socks it's very different he prefers it a different way than i prefer or i grew up with it we have differences it doesn't mean that i don't love him but sometimes i don't like him right there have been times that in our we've been married we're going to be married 11 years this august and it has been it's been good it's been a fight marriage is hard uh there have been times in the last 11 years I've slept on the couch. I will say it from this stage. Marriage is hard. It's hard. But I choose to love him and he chooses to love me despite our flaws. God doesn't say to like your enemies. He doesn't say to think about those who persecute you. He says to love your enemies. He also says to love your friends. This is my commandment, that you would love one another. Guys, there's no way we could do this on our own. Am I right? There's just no way we could do this of our own ability. We can't pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. There's no self-help book that's going to get us to what this is talking about. Laying down my life for my friend. Laying down my own pride for my friend. We have to die to ourselves to be in the love. What Jesus is talking about, the love of God here. How could we do this on our own? We are fragile Human beings. We are fragile, broken human beings. We come into our friendships and our relationships needing things, right? It's not, it's not, uh, it's not bad to admit. We need, we need things. In the garden, we had a perfect relationship where all of our needs were met by our Father who created us and knows what those needs are. We come into relationships here in this broken world with unmet needs and expectations. And when the other person doesn't meet those needs, we bounce. We leave because we might find it somewhere else. And so we bounce from relationship or friendship to another to another to another and we just remain broken. Of the world, there's no way we can fill this need. We, there's no way we can experience this love. The only way to do it is in the source. He says abide in me. Why? Because we need the source. We can't get it out there. Uh, Earlier in the passage, John 15, 1 says, I am the vine. A branch cannot bear fruit in itself or by itself. It cannot be sustained without the vine, the source. Therefore, abide in me. I had a conversation with a friend of mine um, about a month ago. And as we started talking, the conversation got deeper and we started talking about... um, a few deep things that each, each of us were experiencing or thinking about. And as the conversation progressed, I began to realize that her and I saw very differently and believed very differently about a particular topic. And uh, as the conversation progressed and I realized we have very different opinions, I started getting hot under the collar. I started getting, my pride started building up. I started getting nervous. I started having this tension in my heart with my sister, I really, I I call her a dear friend. I started praying two things. The first thing was that God, or the Holy Spirit would come in and advise me. He would give me discernment. He would give me um, protection over the words that were being said, not necessarily over my friend, but over the words being said. So I would discern the truth, take from it what what I could, and also be aware that Satan can work even in our friendships. He doesn't like our friendships he wants us he wants to divide us anyways okay so i was praying to have discernment and i was also praying at the same time that um tug of war that my pride would i could just it would stop my ego would just be suppressed i'd bite my tongue because that was what was happening and during that conversation i wanted to show her i was right i wanted to prove to her that she was wrong and here's a friend of mine this is a friend this is someone i I do love. Have you ever gone out of a conversation and you left that conversation? Maybe you got into your car and you had all the right responses. Oh, I could have creamed him with that response. I had this snappy little saying. I was so spicy. Like, all the crowd was like, ah, (laughs) I'm a hero in my car. And you know, the thing that happened after that conversation is I'm still thinking about that conversation mostly because what I found out about myself through that conversation was that I have some ish I've got some rotten fruit, friends. I've got some pride that I didn't think was there, but it started to spring up because I wanted to be right. I wanted to be right more than I wanted to listen to what she was saying. And I think that sometimes that affects our friendships, that affects our relationships. Uh, how it affects how we view people, how we love people. When someone challenges my identity, when they attack my beliefs or my viewpoints, my response shows more about my character than them. My response shows more about what fruit I'm producing Simon said it earlier in one of his messages, and I loved it. You can be right, but without love, you're always wrong. You can be right, but you're still going to be wrong if it's not with love. What's that passage that says, I could speak with the tongues of a thousand angels, and if I don't have love, I'm a banging gong. You're wrong. And that's so important to know because we walk into relationships, or we walk into friendships, or even just conversations, expecting to be like-minded with people. And you know what? There's a lot of us who don't think the same. We don't have to be like-minded to love other people. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here, because did he hang out with a bunch of people who were always like-minded? No. No, he didn't. Okay, so I was a VBS girl growing up. I I went to VBS when I was a kid, and to high school when I taught it, and I was a camp counselor. VBS is Vacation Bible School. So if you're a VBS kid with me, can I get a Pharaoh Pharaoh? Okay, we got a few, we got a few. Okay, all right, so what about this? I like bananas, I think the mangoes are sweet, I like papayas. Okay, 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 that was only like three people. Okay, when I say papayas, you got to get your hand ready, and you got to say papayas, okay? All right, ready? Are you ready? I got to hear everybody. I like bananas, I think the mangoes are sweet, I like papayas. Papayas. But nothing can beat that sweet, sweet love of God. Amen. Oh, good. Good, good. Give you guys a little round of applause. That was beautiful. The VBS was a really good way for me to remember scripture. There's a lot of songs, there's a lot of jams. I got I got tons of jams. Anyways, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. Okay, that's another song. But you get my drift. Love is this is the fruit of love. It's patient. It's kind. It's not self-serving. When I am connected to the source, when I'm connected to the vine, my Father's love, I am patient. I'm long-suffering. I am slow to anger. When I abide in the source of love, then love has to come out. An apple tree cannot produce oranges. It's just not, that's not how it works. So even when I'm oppressed, challenged, made out to be a fool, persecuted, I still have love to give. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed. It's effective for teaching and for correction. Friends, if I'm abiding in Christ, and he is the vine, and I am the branch, and I am the church, I'm the branch, right? We are the branches. Then we cannot grow apart from him, and we cannot grow apart from each other. It's very difficult to confess to only yourself when something is wrong. I don't know if that's a... I mean, maybe it's a confession, but it's really hard to rebuke yourself. And, and sometimes YouTube and podcasts can teach us, but being in relationship and connected with each other is a crucial way to grow. That's how Jesus did discipleship. It's how he did his life. Ministry is around other people. This is my commandment, that you would love one another. How do we do this if we can't even stand to be in the same room with each other? And, and I say this sensitively because I, don't, I think we do a really good job of community. I think we do a good job of friendships. I'm astounded by the way that we do love each other. I think that Grace City has... An amazing compassion for people. I, I do have friends in the church, and in, in, in churches that I know, who want nothing to do with the body of Christ anymore. It's been that kind of a year. It's been hard. I have friends who are believers who don't want anything to do with the church anymore. And while I, I understand the pain of that, I cannot let Satan divide and be divisive because family should be together. There's a reason why Jesus calls us friends. And Paul in the New Testament calls us brothers and sisters. And God calls us adopted sons or sons and daughters. So if you, if you have a sibling, you know what I'm talking about. They can get on our every last nerve. But there's a different connection, a different bond. And we will stick it out with each other. And that's what he's talking about. This is my commandment that you would love one another. He doesn't say like one another or love those who are like-minded. So when we are friends with each other in the church, the, one of the big things I want to talk about is conflict. It's the ugly word that no one likes to talk about. But conflict is good. In any healthy organization, it grows because it has healthy conflict. There's, there's tension and it has to be worked out. So rather than leave the tension, let's walk in that together. It says to bear with one another. To abide in his love and bear with one another. Church should be family. The family of God should be a place where we unburden ourselves. We open up about oppression, discrimination, our childhood suffering our differences where we came from our backgrounds our experiences this should be a place where we share our life because if I don't know what's going on and and what what pain you have how can I have more empathy how can I share in your suffering? Is that what God calls us to do? Is to share with one another, unburden ourselves, bear with one another, abide in his love, and grow. And we want to be a church that grows, right? Individually and collectively. We want to be strong. We want to be leaders. We want to obey the commandments of our good father. We want to worship him. There is no model like John 15 in the world. The world says to take what you want, get what you can, and get out. Stay in it as long as you're comfortable, as long as it's mutually beneficial. Uh, Stay because it's financially stable. If it's not, then leave. Don't get too close. Don't get too invested. It's too scary. It's too hard. God says, I know your comings and your goings. I knit you together together in your mother's womb. I know what the spirit groans when your words aren't even enough. I know you. I know what you need. And for the joy of the cross, I gave it all up for you so that my joy can remain in you and your joy could be full, will be full. Friends, what kind of joy is that? That sounds crazy. Like what kind of joy is that if we had that kind of joy, that kind of hope, what would that do to our conversations? What would that do to our circumstances? John said last week that humility rejects the fear of man. I like that. That was good. When we abide, we produce fruit of peace and humility. We can reject the fear of man and choose love because we're abiding. Our fruit that we are producing is of love and peace and patience and long-suffering. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, perfect love casts out fear. We might not see it like this, um, but truly at its core, when someone challenges our view, our response, if it's anything but Christ's love, it's out of fear. Fear dresses itself up in so many different outfits, friends. Anger, selfishness, pride. Fear is sneaky. And if we're responding or reacting even, instead of patiently, long-suffering, I would, I would suggest it was fear that you're coming out of instead of Christ's love. Guys, we've been given... A, a spirit of power, have we not? Are we functioning in a spirit of fear anymore? If we are sons and daughters of Christ, adopted into the family because of the the sacrifice He made, we have been given a spirit of power and of love. And what is the last piece of that? Sound mind, power, love, and sound mind. What, what hope is that? That's great. That's great news. That's great news because. I think I'm pretty smart but I'm not the most intellectual person in the room so if you're going to try and um, fight with me with with words I'm probably going to either shut down or run away because I just don't like I don't like to do that I don't want to do that because that's not fun Uh, but if we have a sound mind we have peace we have power and peace and that's not something the world can give us so if we function in this way of power and love and of, uh, of a sound mind, if we function in this way, we can go into conversations with anyone, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ, without feeling the need to change their mind. That's the other thing is we have such a desire to be right that sometimes it just takes over. And that's another reason why we've got to go to the source and we've got to have the Spirit of the Lord within us to discern. Whose job is it to change minds and hearts? It's not a trick question. Jesus, amen. It's not our job to do that. Because what if we did change their mind? Or if it was just by our will that we changed our mind? That would essentially be saying we wouldn't need a savior. We could do it on our own. We cannot do anything on our own. If we read anything, laying down our life for our friend, sacrificing our own life... that's hard that's so hard i can't do that on my own it's for god to change hearts it's now i'm not saying that we just should be chilling and doing netflix like we got to be praying we got to be on our knees we got to be in relationship we got to have conversations with people because we do have a sound mind so we can ask the questions gently in humility that need to be asked. We can do the praying that needs to be prayed. We can do the hard work that he's called us to. And we can give it to him and say, this is what I've done. This is all that I can do in this, in this season, in this moment. And I trust you to do what you will. And he will do great things. He will do great things. Okay, rather, rather in gentleness... We need to go into conversations asking questions so that we can see the person as Jesus sees them. Be slow to speak, ready to listen, and engage with your heart, not just intellectually. Be intentional to stay in relationships even when you disagree, even when their taste in movies is awful, and even when they hurt you. Bear with one another and abide in the source. I do want to take one minute to to talk about something quickly. It might be, it's going to be for a different sermon. But I've heard message after message about waiting for your spouse, waiting for your person. Some, in in high school you were supposed to write a list of the hundred characteristics you wanted in in your mate. And once all those boxes were checked you'd find your person and you'd move into marital bliss. I want to speak to the single people in the room this morning. That your singleness is a gift and you are right where you should be right now, because friends, if we cannot do friendship, platonic friendship, well, we're going to move those hurts and pains and baggage and unmet expectations from our friendships into our marriages, and it's not going to get any easier, because now you just added a whole nother layer and a whole nother piece of baggage on top of your own and unmet expectations. It's not going to get any easier. When you are single, the singlehood is a blessing in this, and know that you are in God's will, and there's a purpose for your season in singleness. Let's work on our friendships, our platonic friendships, expecting nothing from the person, and learning to love them as Christ loves them. Can we be a church that does that? As we study Jesus' life and his ministry, we see him often separating himself from the crowds even sometimes from his own disciples asking them to go on the other side of the boat or the other side of the waters or get in the boat and why does he do this i don't know about you i am an introvert and y'all are exhausting being (laughs) being intentional is exhausting work even if you are an extrovert it's tiring to be so vulnerable is it not it's exhausting to be vulnerable, and if we're not connected to the source, we are going to be depleted every single time. We are not going to be filled up the way we need. We're not going to be able to sustain the pace, the race we are supposed to run. It's another reason why there's a lot of people in the church who get burnt out. It's another reason why, why we get discouraged and we stop serving. Because on every single layer, from the pastor and the staff, all the way down to the the leaders and servers and volunteers, if we're not getting filled up from the source, we're trying to get filled up from another person or position, and it's not sufficient, okay? It's not sufficient because the living, breathing word of God is the source, and he is sufficient. Another thing we see about Jesus is, He has never, I've never read a a scripture that finds him interrupting anyone. He's never done it. Even when Satan was with him in the desert, tempting him for 40 days and he's starving and he's telling, Satan's pulling out scripture out of context. Jesus has never interrupted another person. Even into death, he was filled with unconditional love and patience, hanging on a cross, dying for a world that scorned him and his father turned away because he couldn't since he couldn't view it. How often do we talk over other people? How often do I cancel them because their view is different or it's uncomfortable to me? How often do I yell louder because mine is the more compassionate stance? How often have we burned a bridge without looking into the pain that caused that bridge to be built in the first place? How often do we react in anger only to find out later it was ang- anguish, because fear dresses itself up. And we learn more about our ugly hearts, our rotten fruit, by our responses, more than anything about the other person. I've got some rotten fruit, friends, I'll be honest with you. From Just from that one conversation, it really rocked me. I've, I've realized that I had more pride than I thought I did. I carried more weight in my own knowledge than I did in my identity in Jesus. My responses were more important to me than seeing her and what was past her words into the pain that she was feeling and the turmoil that it it took to get where she was at to make the decision she had made to stand where she stood. If I can see her past her words, if I can see my friends and, and my enemies past the words they're speaking into a heart that is broken, that needs Jesus... That's when things will start to change. That's when real fruit will start to happen. I need to go back to the source in humility and ask the vine dresser to prune me, to heal me, to wash me, make me clean. I need to repent. This is the hope of the gospel. You can't get this from a self-help book. There's going to be no David Goggins or Rachel Hollis for this. You can't get it from um, an Instagram influencer, and you definitely can't get it from your Enneagram number. The goal is not for more followers. The goal is not for a fatter paycheck. The goal of the gospel is for repentance and restoration. That's the hope we have. We have that hope. That is our gift to have and also to give. I've said some things this morning that uh, might have stirred up some things for us. It's painful to think about friendships that have been broken it's painful to think about our past it's painful to think of the ways that we have been hurt and also we've hurt other people i might be the one that you're mad at (laughs) i hope not but if i am come talk to me i've said some things this morning that um, i'm praying that that maybe this is something that jesus has been speaking to you about you've been convicted on something i'm all about active worship I do not think that the gospel is just for consumption. I think it's made for walking out. I believe that is what Jesus says when he wants us to be his hands and feet. I want us to practice bearing with one another. If we can do it in this safe space, we can begin to do it outside of this safe space and begin to make more safe spaces for people to experience Christ's love and walk in that source of healing and hope and restoration. But it begins with repentance, family. It begins with repentance, our own. We can't, we can't get to the restoration without the confession. So I want to take the next little bit of time here um, as the music plays. If you have something you need to confess, if you need to unburden yourself, if there's been pain done to you and you've not spoken about it yet, let us be a family that confesses to each other, that bears with one another. If you came with someone this morning that you feel safe enough to open up to and talk to about a pain that you have or a confession of a broken relationship or really anything that the Lord is stirring up in your your heart right now, we're gonna take the next little bit of time praying together, unburdening ourselves and bearing with one another. If you were brave enough to come here by yourself and you don't have someone to talk to, we have... First of all, you're amazing. Thank you for being here. Secondly, we have some awesome family members who will be standing on the outside here of the room that would love to be able to bear with you and pray with you. So let's be, let's be bold, family. Let's unburden ourselves and practice what it looks like to live in Christ's love in the source and bear with one another and abide in him.